Snake Podcast. I'm your host, Peter. Uh, this is going to be a solo podcast um, and kind of a special edition uh, Libertadores semifinal podcast. Um, my uh, co-host, Enric, will be back later this week, but for now, um, it's just me. And the reason it's just me is I wanted to hop on and, uh, uh, you know, produce a quick episode about um, Libertadores semifinals. As I'm recording this, we're about 15 minutes away from uh, Palmeiras facing off against Atletico, two Brazilian teams. Um, and then the third Brazilian team is Flamengo in the other leg. Now, this is the Smoking Mistake podcast. We are a Brazilian football podcast, but I'm going to do something that might throw a bunch of people for a curveball. Enric and I will talk about the three Brazilian teams uh, probably this week and next um, over the course of the Libertadores tie. So I'm going to do something a little different, and we're going to talk about the Argentine contender still left in Libertadores, Flamengo's opponent, Velez Sarsfield. And to help me do that, I have enlisted the help of my um, my Twitter friend, Juan, who runs the Velez in uh, English uh, Twitter account. Great account. Check it out. He's been doing it since 2018. And um, he posts all about Villas in English, uh, just like I do uh, about Santos. So on a day-to-day basis, if you want to follow Velez in both domestic competitions and, of course, in their Libertadores bid, uh, go follow him. He's at Velez in English. So uh, tomorrow, Velez face off against Flamengo. They'll start in Argentina and go to Rio for the second leg. Um, Velez are a super interesting team, uh, a team I didn't really know that much about, which I'm even more happy to uh, that I got a chance to um, uh, get Juan's input. So Velez just creeped, uh, just snuck into to the uh, the final stages of, of the Libertadores. A good season last year. They're, they haven't been performing this year. Uh, domestically, but in the Bertadores, they've they've been they've been kind of a surprise package. So they finished second in their group, but they actually uh, lost the first game, drew the second, and lost the third in the group stage. Um, it looked like they were actually going out against uh, Red Bull Bragantino. Um, uh, Juan even told us at one point that uh, the the crowd were chanting that they were going to be eliminated. Um, uh, but they drew Red Bull Bragantino, and they ended up winning um, back-to-back games, including the uh, with a last-minute uh, goal from uh, Perrone versus Nacional, the Uruguayan Nacional, um, and then a convincing four-nil uh, win over Estudiantes uh, send them to the the round of sixteen in Libertadores, where they face River Plate, which, of course. Most people would think that River Plate would just absolutely bowl them over. No, they eke out a a one nil uh, on aggregate win, and then they go on to beat 
that shared as uh, four to two in the in the next uh, knockout round. So, um, like I said, they're facing Flamengo, and um, I thought we'd give the uh, the Brazilian football fans uh, a little insight into their opposition. So, um, I reached out to Juan on Twitter, and he was um, generous enough to send us some voice notes um, on on, uh, on his opinions. So. First and foremost, I, I asked him, and this is something that really, you know, interests me, especially as someone who uh, is not from Brazil, is not from Sao Paulo, really has no uh, connection to the city of Santos or, or the club of Santos. I'm running this English language account. So I asked Juan, uh, you know, why he supports the club. And why he decided to uh, to create this English language uh, Twitter account? Well, um, I was I was born near the club. I lived my whole life uh, just like 10, 15 blocks away. Never got uh, really far away from the club. My dad was a fan, so it was really kind of, of obvious to me. But uh, I, I'm glad it happened that way. Uh, when I decided to start uh, at Belize in English, well, I was trying to to basically find a way to really stand out from the crowd of voices that Twitter is. You know, you have a, a lot of people having their opinions and, and well, you, you got to stand out some way. You know, I have this skill of speaking a, a different language and I thought, OK, uh, let's give it a go. Uh, well, luckily, people likes it. Uh, gets with it and well there are some some people who is interested in in Argentinian football that well comes to me to to whatever they want to to have whether it be you know just interest in the game or fantasy football or or whatever you know they they come here so that's good Bill Velez has a history and they were in fact champions in 1994 of Libertadores um, I think a lot of people may be um curious why they've they've made it this far into this late stage in Libertadores this year, especially when looking at their domestic uh performance. They have not been doing well and, and they're sitting pretty close to the basement in in the Argentina. So I was really curious to get Juan's explanation for the the contrast between domestic play and international Libertadores. Yeah, it has been frustrating. I think uh, this team should be doing a, a lot better. I think the the players have been uh, have been really uh, at a very low level of performance. They have been committing a lot of mistakes. Uh, refereeing is bad, but you can make the the case for for every team. Opposition isn't really that high. I think uh, there are too many teams right now in the in the Liga Profesional and really that shows in the level and basically to be at the bottom with this context is really, it's really unacceptable. You you can really expect this from this team. Um, even without, if you are realistic, you, you shouldn't really have uh, or really hope for championship or, or things like that, but uh, this team can't be really there even with a Libertadores run. Uh, I, I think in relation with last season, just um, look, Belize right now is uh, third from the bottom. The last season finished in second place uh, in the overall year table. So 
basically everything that went wrong go excuse me everything that could go wrong went wrong uh, key players left the replacements had been popping up as long as the season went but uh, it hasn't been really at the same level players like uh, Mancuello, Almada, Lucero some some you you could see really players coming up like Gomez, Perrone, maybe Osorio, uh, but uh, really uh, they aren't really ready to shoulder all all the responsibility of the team, and well, it's it's it hasn't been really a, it's been more of a transition rather than a start change. Uh, Pellegrino. Uh, didn't really get the the level of replacements that uh, that could level the or could soften the blow of the players leaving. So basically, you had there another issue. Then he was uh, really unwilling or unable to adapt to it. So that this this has been coming really. It's in that sense, really, Vélez is kind of stuck in a in a really bad uh, cycle. But well, it's uh, it's the reality of Belis now. I think it's. I hope hopefully you can you don't have to pay uh, a penalty for that in the future. And, and given that that drastic difference, I was I was interested to know what Juan thought were um, you know what the fan base's expectations and his personal expectations for for Libertadores this year. Well, it's uh, it's a tough question because well, I I can speak uh, only personally for me, not uh, for all the fourteen nation. But uh, I think given the squad and given what happened last year, I I have I had settled or I would have settled for a quarterfinal spot. I think that would have been really a, a great thing. I think really when. When it comes to what actually happened as the tournament went by, well, I think the the group phase was really was really difficult for Vélez. He attended the fourth game in Braganza against Bragantino with the local fans chanting "Eliminados," uh, eliminated. So I think, well, in Montevideo there were two minutes where we could have went out in the with the game to go. Then we had uh, the round of 16 against River where we were massive, massive underdogs and we went uh, through. And after that came Tacheres, which uh, I think we, after River, you would expect to be playing with house money, but uh, then you've got uh, that kind of draw and you certainly expect to win it. And uh, I think it's it's really it's really hard to say. I think uh, the expectations uh, are are really really high. This is uh, the third time in the in the club's history where we can reach this stage. So I think uh, everybody should be happy in, in Fortin Nation with what happened, regardless of previous expectations. Of course, the tie is going to be uh, extremely extremely passionate. And uh, there's going to be a lot of talent on display on both sides. Um, I asked Juan who he thought may be uh, game breakers for Velez and players that they were really going to count on um, and that, that may even decide the match or the tie. 
Well, I'm going to pick two. Uh, one is Valentin Gomez, who is really uh, the key player in defense right now. He's the guy who holds it all together. Even when Vélez has been really good defensively in, in these uh, knockout stages, he's he's been the, stand, uh, the standout player. Sorry. And, well, um, in attack, it's obvious that it's going to be Lucas Hanson, the, the player to watch. Uh, he's been... At the basically at the heart of everything that the team produced in in attack, so he's uh, he, he probably Belles uh, will go as far as Hanson takes us. Really, that's that's the that's the whole thing you can say about him. Given Flamengo's immense experience, talent, and let's face it, financial resources. It seems an uneven match. So, again, I was very curious, and I asked Juan how he sees the match playing out, the match is playing out, and what exactly Velez need to do if they're going to slay the giant of Flamengo. Yeah, I think the, the River Tide can, can provide some lessons in, in the sense that Velez went in as an underdog and uh, really can can apply some of those lessons. Uh, the pressing is going to be, is going to have to be insane. Uh, I think the, the team will need to basically hold on when the things uh, get get tough. Uh, so yeah, that's that's really going to, to be a test of character for them in that regard. Uh, they are going to, to keep playing uh, mistake-free football like they did in Cordoba against Tacheres. And they are going to have to take their chances, which is something that really happened uh, very, very rarely with this team. So I think though those are the keys. I, I really see uh, a way, but uh, it's also, you have also to consider that, um, you also have to consider, sorry, that uh, there's a really talented team with a, a level of uh, skill, of individual skill, that's uh, it's, it's a whole different level. So I, I think I really focus on, on the fact that basically you can't make any mistakes. Uh, players to step up, uh, we are going to need all of them. Uh, I think uh, Santi Cáceres, who will replace Perrone, surely. He's, he's going to be uh, a key because Barrone has been really important for us in this run. And we are especially going to need a little bit more from Luca Orellano, who, who did a bit, but uh, he hasn't really been consistent. And Lucas Prato or, or Osorio, if he plays uh, at his spot. But the, the striker, the main striker, he's going to, to be ready to take any chance he can. And lastly, as a bonus question, I wanted to get Juan's opinion on a kind of a more unique player that Velez have in their ranks. Uh, his name is Lenny Lovato, and he's one of the few Brazilians playing uh, in Argentina and one of the, the really the only Brazilian that I know that has um, come up in an Argentine um, academy. Uh, he's a winger, and I was really curious to know more about him uh, personally as a player. And, um, you know, if we're going to see him get some more minutes for the uh, the the first team. 
Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, Lenny, I think he's a, a good player. He's a quick winger, a left-footed winger who can play on both flanks. He's good technically. He isn't really that um, that skillful. Uh, his his main card is speed, and he's really he he never had a chance to, or he never really had meaningful chances to prove himself in the first team. He only had a a handful of minutes here and there and it really didn't help him i think he he did pretty well for 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 the reserves i think he's uh, he's overplayed that level but well i think he he need to to probably uh, if he doesn't get any chances in Belas, well he he might have to to go elsewhere to to probably get those minutes he he needs to keep developing as a player but uh, i like him a lot he's uh he's kind of a, a kind of a weird thing you know because uh there aren't really brazilian players who go through the argentinian uh youth system and he's also the grandson of a celebrity uh, an, an actress of the 60s and the 70s so he's uh he's kind of a, a yeah, of, of really, I don't know. It's 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 a rarity, but uh, well, I think he's uh, he's hopefully have a a chance in the near future. Big thank you to Juan from Velez in English. Again, guys, follow him on Twitter at Velez in English. Um, big thank you to him, and uh, uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed his insight. Um, and anyone listening has a much better idea on what they can expect from Velez and who to look out for um, in this, uh, in this clash versus Flamengo on Wednesday night. So uh, that's going to be it for this uh, mini episode. Um, we'll be back later this week. Uh, we'll talk Brazilian league. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will talk um, Libertadores, all three Brazilian teams playing in it. Um and uh, we'll talk, of course, about Brazilian players playing in foreign leagues. And, of course, Enric will be back. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Uh, have a great night.